Today's the first Sunday of the month, which means it's time for communion, right? Or at least it does here at First Waynesville. And I know that because I got to attend here, be a member here for seven years. So I learned really well that the first Sunday of the month is communion. But the truth is, I learned that long before I got here to First Waynesville. My home church has the same tradition, another First United Methodist Church down in St. Petersburg, Florida. There, we would also take communion on the first Sunday of every month. And so for 42 years of my life, the first Sunday means communion. I am trained. It is time for communion. But <laughs> it's funny how these traditions develop. So many of our Methodist churches celebrate communion on the first Sunday of the month, but it's not because that's written in stone or in our book of discipline. It's actually a tradition that rolled out of a practical need. When Methodism first made its way to what would become the United States, we uh, didn't have enough pastors to go around. And so pastors had to literally ride a circuit on horseback, making their way from church to church, and churches had to wait their turn to get communion. So that every so often routine with communion gradually turned into kind of an every once a month kind of routine. And over time, so many of us have settled into first Sunday, time for communion. And it's not a bad time for communion, but this isn't the only time for communion either. In fact, you know, the first communion didn't take place on a Sunday. It was a Thursday night the Last Supper with Jesus' disciples. Luke sets that scene for us by telling us that the hour had come. In other words, it was time. It was the exact right time for Jesus to do this, not just because it was his last meal with his disciples, but because right after this, he would suffer to fulfill everything God was going to do in him. And so at that exact right time, Jesus did something wonderfully weird. He took the bread and broke it. He took the cup and divided it by passing it among his disciples. Bread broken, cup divided. These are the things that are still at the center of our communion meal. Broken and divided. And that's part of what makes Paul's words about communion kind of interesting. When he's writing to the Christians in a city called Corinth to explain the meal to them, he tells them, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we are all partaking of the one bread. So we have this weird kind of juxtaposition in communion brokenness and division, but also oneness, all at the same time. It's part of what makes this meal a holy mystery. So I mentioned that I grew up in another First United Methodist Church, and in a lot of ways, kind of similar to First Waynesville. My home church had a balcony too, and in fact, that's where my family always sat. We sat there because we were always late. And so the only seats left in the church by the time we got there were the balcony. But I like the balcony. 
When I attended here at First Waynesville, when I would go to the 11 o'clock service, I would sit here in the balcony so that I could look over and get to see all the people. I love that about sitting in the balcony. And I remember as a kid on communion Sundays, looking over the balcony and seeing the church filled shoulder to shoulder on the pews, all those people, it's awesome. But it can also present kind of a logistical problem when you're serving communion to that many people because you need enough time for everyone to get down front and to serve them and everyone to come back again. And so when I was a kid in St. Pete, Florida, my home church tried to make that more efficient by having the ushers bring communion to us in our seats. And so first they'd come around with trays full of tiny little Wonder Bread squares, so tiny. And then they would come around with trays filled with tiny little grape juices, so little. And it was like this adorable little snack that we got to have. My brothers and I loved this. It's snack time in church. But of course, communion is a lot more than just a little snack individually packaged for each one of us, right? It's a good sign that <laughs> at that stage of life, I had so much more to learn about communion, as I still do, honestly. It is a holy mystery. But, but there was something else really big that I was missing about communion at that time, too. If there was any breaking or dividing involved, it went right over my head. I am 100% sure that before the ushers brought us Wonder Bread squares and little grape juice cups, the pastor stood down front and introduced the meal by breaking a loaf of bread, but I must have been daydreaming at that point because I missed that. And if I had thought about it, all those itty-bitty grape juice cups had been divided from a big jug, but I didn't think about that. All I thought about was my snack and the fact that after I ate my snack, the service was almost done and I'd get to go home and get out of my itchy church clothes. Which also makes me think that if there was anything to do with oneness in communion at that time, it went right over my head too. I took communion as something just for me and thought very little about being one with everyone else. But fortunately, it was not my last and only experience with communion. Over time, I would learn more about it, take it in different ways. And a huge turning point for me came the first time I took communion at Wilderness Trail. So I know that a lot of you are familiar with Wilderness Trail, that backpacking experience for youth that has helped so many of us uh, grow deeper in our journey with Christ by taking a walk in the woods. I actually went to Wilderness Trail for the first time through my home church in St. Petersburg, Florida, coming along with the youth group. And a big part of the experience then for me was taking communion at the outdoor chapel. I remember walking up to that clear space in the woods and the adults asking us to sit down on the ground, crisscross applesauce. We landed there knee to knee with the other hikers while one of the adults got up and prepared us to take communion. Now, I don't have a totally clear memory of which adult it was. I have a feeling it was probably Rob Blackburn, if anyone. 
telling us about the bread broken and the cup divided and then inviting us eventually to come forward and to receive. And we were told to come forward not as individuals in a line, but in small groups. So when a group of my friends went up, I went up with them and we knelt around this set of like rickety old wooden tables. And I knew some of the people I was kneeling with, but some I didn't. And even so, it was interesting, looking around at all our faces, I could tell we were feeling a lot of the same things. We were all nervous, kind of wondering what we had gotten ourselves into. And for sure, we were all uncomfortable, if not emotionally, now also physically, like being down on our knees and the ground, the little rocks poking into our skin. But there's something else, too. I think we all also felt kind of open open to some experience of God. <laughs> and maybe it was simply because we were all scared and like desperate for God to help us. So eventually, once we were all settled around those wooden tables in a little group, the adult, Rob, I'm guessing, came forward to us and broke the bread. But more than just broke, he like ripped the bread, tore the bread, like messy chunks of it fell all over the place. And he went around the circle and placed the bread in our hands. And when he got to me, he placed his hand on top of the bread, on top of my hand, and it was heavy. And I had never had communion like that before. I almost ate the bread, but then I remember they told us we were doing this thing called intinction. And so I was supposed to wait for the cup. And sure enough, the cup started coming around, sloshing juice everywhere. I watched other hikers dip their bread in the cup, and when it came out, it was like dripping and messy. When it got to me, I was unsure, like, how far do you dip your bread in the cup? I don't know. So I dipped it in, and when it came out, it was so dripping, I had to rush it to my mouth just to get it and contain the mess. And then I had this experience of two things together that I had never had together before bread and grape juice all at once. And right on the heels of that, I had another experience, two things I had never had together before, feeling broken and one all at once. In this way of experiencing communion, there is no denying the brokenness and the dividing that happens. No denying it in the bread ripped apart and the cup sloshed around. And so I couldn't help but be drawn out of myself, like way out of myself, to remember a God who was broken and divided for us. And then I couldn't help but be drawn way within myself, deep within myself, to some broken place down in there that I had wanted to ignore and forget. But there it was, raw and open, my desperate need to be loved by God, confronted with God's incredible love for me, for us. When we finished taking that meal together, we brushed off our knees and we stood up and then we stood in a circle. And I looked around the circle and I at best knew like a quarter of the faces there, but we held hands together anyway. And as I looked around, I could see not only were we all nervous and not only were we all uncomfortable, not only were we all 
open to some experience of God, now there was something else. We gripped hands and we were one. So here we are on the first Sunday of the month, taking communion, because that's what we do, right? But there's a better reason to take communion right now at this time. Because we are in this strange season of brokenness. Because in March, a novel coronavirus swept across the world and broke <laughs> just about every aspect of our lives. Work, school, routines, church, uh, plans for the future, all of it in one fell swoop broken. And it left a lot of us feeling broken socially, emotionally, spiritually. But there's something else. On top of all this, recent events have revealed a brokenness that a lot of us would have rather pretended was healed and done, covered and gone. But it's like we've had the curtain pulled back on a racism that's been persistent, a raw open sore in our communities and our country, a brokenness between us at a deep level. That makes this day, this week, a great time to take communion. Because we're broken and we know it because we're lonely, disconnected, because we are craving oneness. And that's what we get through this meal. By the gift of the Holy Spirit, this miracle crossing time and space happens. So as I take communion here today in my home, and you take communion there where you are on whatever day it is in your home, Strangely, through the bread broken and the cup divided, we are made one. Strangely, through the bread broken and the cup divided, we are drawn into the God who is broken and divided for us. And our souls can breathe this sigh of relief, being reminded that we are deeply loved by the God who is willing to be broken for us. And through this meal, we can find hope. Hope that our God is a God who doesn't run from brokenness. Our God is a God who uses it, who works miracles through it. May that be true for us today as we celebrate this meal and every day. Through this meal, may we remember on a deep level the night that Christ had his last supper with his disciples, that Thursday night. May we remember them gathered around the table there, his 12 best friends and closest followers. May we remember the way that he lifted the bread to them and broke it and told them, this is my body broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. And then we remember the way he lifted the cup to them. Especially, I like to remember who he was lifting the cup to. 
12 men who were about to betray him, deny him, and abandon him. And even knowing that, he lifted the cup to them and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for everyone for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink it, remember me. And so we too, no matter what our sins may be, can receive the cup in confidence as well. As we eat this meal together, we remember the truly holy mystery that is at the center of our faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, upon these gifts of bread and cup, wherever they are. Make them be for us truly a means of grace. Through them, nourish us, not just in body, but in spirit, to give us strength to serve you in the world. And through, the, through them, make us one mysteriously one, even as we are scattered in different places. Make us one body designed to work together for you. Amen. And now at home, you can join with me. The body of Christ, broken for you and for me. The blood of Christ, shed for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today has been the right time for communion. Whether you watch this and participated on Sunday or some other day during the week, it's been the right time because of all the brokenness that's around us right now. But honestly, isn't the brokenness always there? Sometimes our busyness, our temporary happiness, our going through the motions, it, it can hide it. But if we stop, and get still and really look within ourselves, we see the truth. We're broken. We are in a constant need of communion. Every day we need a reminder that Jesus Christ was broken and divided for us. Every day we need to be made one with others by our common ground, our shared experience of being broken and then saved. We might not take communion every day, but every day we can remember. We are broken. Jesus was broken. We are one. Amen. <laughs>